0: Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Holistic Conversations with Vicki and Bron. We really appreciate you joining us.
1: This podcast is all about how you can learn to live well, be healthy, have gorgeous skin inside and out, and really thrive as you get older. By sharing our knowledge through real-life experiences
0: in our holistic beauty practices using natural therapies, as well as high-tech science know-how, we will impart behind-the-scenes how-to's on how you get the most out of your day to live with vitality. Hello, good afternoon everyone and Vicky. How are we all going this wonderful Tuesday, what are we, Tuesday afternoon? So today's topic is on how to prepare for a sporting event. And this is um, quite a, a big subject of course and very close to Vicky's heart, isn't it Vicky? you're the... The expert that does this quite often
1: yeah and I, and I wouldn't say I'm the expert but I certainly uh do triathlon so I train every single day and so I have a little rule about um nutrition for the everyday athlete if you like and not not pro athletes but just anyone who wants to be doing stuff and then also if you're looking to do an event um from a nutrition perspective as well as, you know, preparing your mind and all that kind of jazz. So, yeah.
0: That's a couple of notches, so to speak, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, just on a general term, I'll put things like, obviously, the training. Like, um, it's going to be different from preparing, like you just said, for for an event to our everyday training. The nutrition's different. Um, I put body maintenance, so yes. how you get through that training and pushing your body to extreme and the mindset, which is just as important, I feel.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, so if we, we just... Else that. No, that that's pretty much it. But I, I have to say that the mindset is, you know, particularly the biggest thing once you get all the other things right, then the last thing that you're constantly working on is mindset.
0: Yeah, because I guess like as as we get older... A lot of people I've seen, and this is just not with sporting events, it's kind of every facet of life, um, our body slows down. So we kind of lose that confidence a little bit, don't we? Or yeah. a lot in a lot of people. So I think it's kind of telling you that, yeah, your time mightn't be as fast as the person next to you or even your own um, time last year or two yeah. years ago. Mm. But... How, how to be okay with that and how to how to um perform at your ultimate best for now yeah do you agree.
1: i think that's probably one of the hardest things as someone who does compete in triathlon races and this can be for any kind of event that you want to do if you're doing it constantly as you get older typically we get slower but not always <laughs> But when you do, and you're not your own, you know, you're not doing a personal best every single time, uh, and there's things like injuries that come up a lot more as you kind of menopause, particularly, that you just have to manage your expectations and enjoy the process rather than the destination, if you like. So get your head around that.
0: Where, um, like it or love it, our kids are t- quite often taught at school to participate and not be in to win. And we were like, what do you mean? We're going to win. Whereas now maybe we've got to take get used to kind of taking a little bit of a sidestep or even a backseat to, to these events. But I guess you're in like a master's category rather than a, a young person's category. So you can be the best of your your. Um,
1: Age group. Age group, that's right. And that's the other thing. The good thing about triathlon is that they do split things up into age groups. So you're always in a five-year period. So you're competing against other age groupers, they call them. So you can still – like recently I podiumed and got third, in a you know, really? for my age group. <laughs> that's fantastic. Quite hilarious. But um, <laughs> so, so, you know, it depends on what sport you want to – participate in but certainly running and triathlon and all that everything's age grouped so as you get older there's less people that do it I always remember a friend of mine who does triathlon and she's I think she's in the 65 to 69 group now and she always wins her age group because she said you know what quite often there's no one in my age group who cares no one knows you're still standing on the podium get your photo done and get a medal (laughs) so for your own you know, you have a little bit of a backstory going in your head, like, oh, it wasn't my best run time or whatever. But um, that's why you have to kind of fall in love with the training. And you know, so for me, I love all the scenery and going to different places. So it's that part of things that I focus on now, rather than oh, I can't do the whatever pace <laughs> I want to be doing. Yeah.
0: Which which is which is a great mindset to have and which is pretty pretty um oh you know typical of you really isn't it always an optimist (laughs) i think a lot of people would say that um that they're so puffed and naked and thinking of how they're going to get through this they can't really look around and admire the
1: scenery so that's pretty cool if you can well, I have to tell you, and, and this is like, to be really honest, I'm I'm quite often using it as a distraction because I'm thinking, I don't know if I can go any faster. I think my legs might collapse. I wonder if I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> I'm so hot. I can't do this. And when those words come around in my head thinking, I can't do this. What was I thinking? <laughs> then I just oh, think, what? yeah it does it does happen in my head and then I'm thinking hey girl you've done the training just enjoy it this is a race you only do it every now and then look at the scenery it's and you know usually there's crowds and stuff and so you know it's just a great environment that's the good thing about doing an event over doing just everyday training is that that you get the juice yeah from the atmosphere and it's just a bit of a hype Um, so it's fun and so when you're say
0: running which I imagine is the hardest side of it so do you go do you focus on
1: like a mile at a time so I have an overall plan so this is how uh, I do it for triathlon which is obviously three disciplines I have a plan of what I think I can do time per k for example so I want to just hit a certain pace and that will give me an overall time for that distance, whatever it is. So that's how I set out. But then I also am monitoring nutrition and heart rate. So I don't want to get my heart rate over a certain amount because it's prolonged. So this is more endurance stuff. And so you've got to be able to last the distance. And obviously, the training's built up to that. So then you just have to trust your body can do it. And this is also where the mind comes in. Sometimes the body's screaming, but screaming in a good way. Like you haven't gone over your limit because you can see with data that your heart rate's within a certain range. So you know, like, okay, that's okay. I'm just feeling puffed because I've been putting in effort. So, and that's a learned thing. You just learn it by doing it over and over and practicing and practicing. And then with the nutrition, as long as you've hydrated, had enough water, and if you need to have carbohydrates and electrolytes because it's a longer race, and with the longer ones, so anything over an hour, you need to fuel. So um, you need some kind of nutrition. So how I work it out is one gram of carbohydrate loading per kilo of body weight. So I will eat before I do anything, but it's you know something quick that converts to energy quick, like a banana or whatever, and then some electrolytes. Then I might start a race, and then every hour I'm going to have more. I'm going to make sure I've got through, say, say if I'm 50 kilos, I'm going to get through 50 grams of carbohydrates. So that might be a combination of um, a drink and some fuel, like I use like little cubie um, lolly things. They're not lollies, but they're sports ones. Or you can use bars or gels kind of thing. So, so it's easily digested and converted to energy.
0: And it doesn't give you the stitch.
1: And you don't get gut issues because that's the big thing you need to practice with when you're not racing so that you you know how your gut's going to respond because it, it is sugar in a sense so you you know that's going into your gut and you have to absorb it so if you don't get that combination quite right and you're not hydrated then you can get gut issues so like you might feel like you need to go you know number twos or oh, you yeah. know yeah, <laughs> um, or you just feel really bloated or you get a you know you need to pass wind so you can quite uh-huh. often get that when you're running, yeah. If you've eaten or drunk not the right combination, so it's practice and seeing what fuels or gels or carbohydrate drinks work for you, and that's where everyone's a bit different.
0: And is that the same with regards to hydrating on the actual
1: race? Yeah. So then you oh, practice it. Much. Yeah, practice it in your training and and doing it leading up to the race, and then on race day, just remember your heart rate's going to be higher. So it, it actually affects your gut absorption because it's an adrenaline-based thing. And so you just don't absorb as well. So the key thing is to not, um, so don't dehydrate yourself because then nothing absorbs and you, that's when you get the bloating and all that kind of jazz. So it, it's a fine line. You've really got to time things and you quite often won't feel hungry or, or like not, I'm not thirsty or I'm not hungry, but you'll be sweating so you're letting out electrolytes and salts and stuff, you need to be replacing them constantly. So you need to be on a timer. Every 15 minutes, I'm going to have a drink. Every, you know, however many Ks, I'm going to have a bar. Or, you know, so you, you have to really plan it out ahead, but do it in training, practice it until you get it right for you because your body is going to be slightly different. But that's the base, one gram per
0: would you advise people to get a trainer to help them all with this
1: absolutely there's so many things to um to know and learn and then also to what i found so i'm in a, a training club so i have a coach she's amazing um but through also being with the other participants you can ask them questions oh so what do you use for nutrition oh how often do you drink um, you know, so the, there's the theory and then there's the reality. So everyone else is in the trenches with you. So, you know, there's guys and girls. So you go, oh, well, and you find what works and then you might try a few different things. So it's really worthwhile having a coach because they can focus on the plan for you so that you progressively, you know, say if you're doing a longer distance than you've ever done before. You're progressively working up to that, so you don't get injuries, basically.
0: And also because of um, the the whole mindset thing, there's so much um, things you've got to take into consideration. Like, um, might be the climate. Not yeah. only in the, the season, but that particular day. Yes. Like if it starts to rain, you might be slower. Um, how, can up, um, how can you? If it's humid. How can you? Get there in the time you want without um, having an injury or slipping over or whatever. Yeah. And if or it's a humid, you're gonna dehydrate a lot faster. So all those kind of things a coach can kind of I guess help you with, right?
1: Yeah. So we have a pre-race, you know, the coach finds us pre-race and when we know the conditions. So say I did a race last year and it was really unseasonally, it was out of it was in the state but not in the place we live. So everyone had traveled. And then it was like two degrees <laughs> instead of like, you know, 20 or something. So it was a oh, wow. unseasonally different. So two degrees and, and a 40K wind. So when we were cycling, we were doing a headwind tailwind. So you have to do a strategy on how you can do that, especially if I'm light and not good in wind. So I have a freak out in my head. And then I have my coach to go, now, all you got to do is do a lower, you know, higher cadence, you know, do this, do that, do the other. (laughs) Make sure you drink, make sure you eat, you know, on on your scheduled times. And um, we actually put cardboard down our our tops to stop the, um, because we've got out of the water, obviously it's cold, and then you hit the wind and it's cold. So we had a little cardboard thing that we stuck on our top. It's very unsexy, but um, it just breaks I the wind. We didn't actually oh, yeah. have any equipment or gear because we'd only taken away what, what we would normally take away, and that was it. So we had not very many choices. It was freezing. Oh. The only good thing is, see, this is the headspace. Everyone's in the same boat. So you're not really disadvantaged because everyone's racing in the same conditions. So it's your mindset on how you approach it.
0: Hmm. And yeah, and if you're if you're an optimist, you go, okay, what's the worst that can happen? We're all going to be slower. We're going to um, arrive at the end like a bunch of grannies, but what a good laugh that will be!
1: Yeah, we can't feel our feet, but I tell you what, when we finish, it's like so hilarious listening to the stories, and you just got to focus on that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so now I hope you take windbreakers away just in case.
1: Just in case. So we have a just-in-case pile now.
0: Good. And I imagine you can get them these days where they they kind of roll up into nothing that you could wear around your waist is about anyway. They make everything kind of like that these days, don't they? Yeah, that's it. Yep. Excellent. And so getting back to the training, um, it's it's a big long-winded conversation, I, I imagine. But so say if you do... A twenty k run. Would you work out how many weeks you've got to train to get up to that mount? Like you start off doing. So, so I mean, you obviously are, are a seasonal runner, but if someone say you know they couldn't hardly run a k to save themselves, yeah. Um, would you kind of maybe just um, add add on a little bit per week and and start further down in the month rather than yeah the
1: stuff, that's why you need a coach i think a coach is really worthwhile there and, and that's not what i do um but you can get online training pr- plans as well you've got to start with and it's like everything in life basically where are you at right now so what can you do so i say if you can only do a kilometer and you want to do 20 k's you're going to have to start slowly building up. So you've got to build your, you know, it might be a walk run to start with and that's okay. But just if you've got enough time, so always have the date that you want to do the race and work backwards and adding on. So normally I would do two runs during the week and then a long run in the weekend. So you could potentially do an extra run, but I don't because I'm doing other things. So if you were just running, you might do, but you wouldn't run every day. If you're not a runner or not used to it, because that's when you'd get injuries, you need time for your body to rest and recover. And then also, it's really important to do strength because you've got to have strong muscles <clears throat> to push off and not break down, especially as you get older.
0: So, I was going to say so, part of the um, cardiac training is you've got to do the strength conditioning right at the gym or not necessarily.
1: You don't necessarily have to do it at the gym, but you will get a better result at the gym because you can be more specific and use the right amount of weights because you do need heavier weights, I find, as we get older, uh, but maybe shorter amount of of reps kind of thing. So that's the research that's kind of going around for women, particularly around, you know, 40s, 50s and beyond, is that we need heavier, heavier weights, but... For a shorter period of time so you do five or six and a hip as heavy as you can but again you want to have that supervised initially to make sure you're starting so you don't get injured so you would go see a pt or someone at the gym so that's quite important but the third thing part of that component is actually stretch <laughs> stretching uh, or lengthening yeah. your cartilage because as we age and get older everything shrinks and contracts So, and when you do cardio and you get bigger muscles, everything shrinks and contracts. So you need to have some things that lengthen. So that's creating a lot more flexibility and suppleness. So think of it like a rubber band. If the rubber band's soft and pliable, there's less likelihood of injury, as opposed to if it's tight, it's going to (laughs) snap.
0: Exactly. And so in that, obviously, would be things like massage would help. Yep. Um. Not only to, for recovery, but to to kind of um, you know, relax the muscles back so they, you know, go back into place if that's what you call it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, and, and also they, moving out the toxins because you know as you yeah. as you know as you build muscle you get waste right? and that's just normal, like lactic acid. So that's that achy DOMS feeling. So it flushes all that out.
0: Yeah. I've, I've um. I've actually got a aromatherapy synergy that i've made and i make it into a balm and it's called sporty Sorts. oh yeah it's basically um a warming balm that i put on my muscles when they're sore and it basically it's it warms up the area so it provides that comfort to when you're really sore you know like because i quite often get sore backs and um so it relaxes the muscle, so where you're, where you're in pain, you're kind of holding it, whereas it helps you to let it go and to relax it back into position, plus it also flushes out the lactic acid. Yeah. And I find using that the next day, it feels so much better. It yeah. was funny because I, I used it in the weekend because I was um, using muscles that I hadn't used for a while, and that was kind of down my forearm. I was using this electric um, tool to – cut my hedges mm. and the next day i was like i've oh, got such sore muscles you know down my wrists and forearms and then i realized ah and um as you know i do the the rpm the cycling class regularly and when i went on yesterday i forgot to take my shoes with the cleats on them oh. and so i just put my feet into the little cages and tighten them with the sports shoes. And it's really weird. I felt it much
1: more in my um, quads this time.
0: Mm. That's quite interesting,
1: isn't it? Yeah, because when you've got the cleats on, you know, you actually can push and pull a little bit more. So you're getting more of that rotation. I think with the cages, you end up using more of that forward motion. So it's more of that thigh rather than thigh, hamstring, calf, glute, you know, a range of, yeah. So I... Yeah,
0: I was like, oh, I hope I hope the uh, cleats are still working because you know I haven't had sore muscles like that for a long time.
1: But, yeah, oh yeah, it'll still time. be working. It's just because you've now conditioned your muscles with the using the cleats. You get good at conditioning your muscles; they're strong. Once you use your foot in the cages, you're working different muscles, and they're not so strong. So that's when you feel it.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, interesting, isn't that? Yeah, and and so. You know, I guess the same story goes for no matter what
0: sports you're doing. So if you're, or if you're doing like a like you're doing, combination of stuff, you've got to try and fit in all those different routines and sports yeah. into one week. Yeah. Training which makes it a bit difficult.
1: Yeah, I guess
0: each, each Training the other one, right?
1: Yeah, and so by doing the three disciplines, one thing. I so I train every single day, like seven days a week, and in the past I. Before I did triathlon, I was like, "Well, I don't think that's actually very good for the body." But in actual fact, I think because it's a range of activities, it actually conditions other. You sort of using your abs and your upper body and your you know lower body and and variety of different activities. So you're not stressing those kind of areas out. And when you do your swim practice, you're you're still using your legs, but it's pretty much you know it's like a flush and your focus is on the upper body then when you're doing your running and your cycling you're using more lower body so it's still but you still use upper body for stuff so it kind of ends up working out quite well
0: so you never find that you're actually sore
1: well, I wouldn't say that
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I certainly have I- done some long runs and got in the door and thought I don't think I can move. So, actually, one thing I will do is have an Epsom salt bath, or I'll have a bath with essential oil. So, I usually try and alternate. Uh, and, it, and that would in, sometimes, so I'll have a long run on a Sunday. And so, when I come in, it's like lunchtime. So, I'll have a bath in the middle of the day <laughs> because it then flushes, it starts that flushing. And then I might roll a little bit in the afternoon. So, I use the foam roller a lot. So you can't have a it's massage weird. every day. So the roller of works. Well. Yeah. Yeah, really well.
0: Yeah. Um, I used to isolate that up my spine and roll it down slowly and just try and relax my muscles when my back gets really, really bad. Yeah. Because um, even though a massage might work really well, as you say, you can't have it all the time. But I also found that quite often when it was really bad, like when I was going through a lot of stress and um, I just couldn't, seem to control it i would almost get off the table and feel it good but could feel it like starting to tense up again it's yeah um so you need so <laughs> so many holes up your up sleeve, sleeve.
1: So yeah things like um, so spiky would, balls are good for glute muscles so i find that you know your glute muscles are quite large so they're quite strong and powerful and as women we use them a lot <laughs> which is good so um especially with lower back pain and stuff if you do roll on the spiky ball which you have to just do gently initially um it actually helps a lot of lower back pain so that's always something to keep up your sleeve as well
0: it has a way of kind of almost like a a pressure yeah that relaxes the nerve and the tendon so it's kind of like not only the the insertion but the origin muscle as well right yeah so yeah pretty cool um yeah so i use quite a few hand tools yep um to get into those particular sore spots and i've also got like a um one of those automated massages that you can put on your chair
1: oh nice
0: yeah they're quite they're good but they you find I find it a little bit frustrating because you can't kind of say carry on that spot or oh, yeah kind of ease off there and go in there deeper. You know what I mean? It's so automated and you're trying yeah, trying to get it into that spot. Yeah, but that's where I find the essential oils work really
1: well. Um, plus yoga. Do you put essential oils on? Like, do you massage essential oils on, or do you? How do you work that with the automated well, massage? I
0: would. I would have them in uh, um, one of my bases. Yeah. So like the sporty sorts one, I put it into a balm base. And I've also got something that's called an aromaceutical, which is basically putting the, my aroma synergies, which are my blend of essential oils, into one of my aromaceuticals, which are all kind of my plant nutrition. Right. So it's kind of got a, those botanical herbs and a roller um, jar bottle. What do you call it? Jar yeah <laughs> i don't know what you call it but yeah it's got a little roller on the end so i can actually use that roller as a as a massage tool as well which is which is really nice cool. and i also use that around the face which is kind of getting off the subject but we always do that so that's another day um so to the muscles
1: of the face as well so that's yeah. one of my little calls um do you use like it. um? Do you use like like I have this these little? It's a set actually. It looks like a tennis ball, but it's a sports you know thing. But it's the size of a tennis ball, so I will use it. So if you, for any runners out there, it's really good for plantar fasciitis. <laughs> so you just roll right. it underneath the arch of your foot to stop the arches from dropping because that's what happens as you get older as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. any. Yeah, and then any sort, you know, like the balls of your feet can sometimes need a bit of a massage, actually. So rolling it helps to massage it and keep it, you know, flexible. You've
0: got um, plantar fasciitis um, or whatever it's called. You've already got dropped your arch, so you want to try and do it before that, right? Yeah, well, you do.
1: And, you usually get and, the pain before that.
0: Uh, yeah, and I guess so, again, yoga is very good for that because they do a lot of um, foot
1: Yes. Movements
0: to stretch the tenants and the muscle, round and round both ways, and um, your shoes would be very important.
1: Yeah, you thing. really need to be. So, if anyone's just starting out on running, you really need to be changing. I mean, it depends on how many K's you're doing, I guess, but you do need to change your shoes regularly. So, we always have at least two pairs of shoes on the go, so that nothing run, you know, gets too. Um, oh treaded you know kind of thing and then different shoes what sorry
0: what's that when you say regularly what's that
1: so for us so it depends on how many kilometers so for me if i'm running say i probably run maybe 40 40 10 20 30 40 about 40 ish k a week sometimes a bit more Um, so my shoes would last me about six months just as an example
0: and you know how for a while they brought out those um i think they were called earless shoes or something free shoes or something Nike Air push, and... yeah which weren't meant to support your feet it was kind of went on the motion that your feet would build up its own tenants oh, tendons and nice. stuff stronger but that, that does that
1: work I haven't actually tried those personally, but I've got people uh, who just love them that are in the club. I think it depends on your foot, you know, like because everyone's foot is different, and then everyone's gait is different. So I would go to a sports shoe place and get advice, and and they can sort of t- video it and take your foot and see, and then that you can see how you run because you might think you run straight, but you run on an angle or pronate or you know on the edge and sometimes it's not good again for women um, because we actually tend to slightly internally rotate our knees because of the shape our hips are wider as you come down our knees narrow so there's always a bit of extra pressure on our knees which puts extra pressure on our it band so therefore how we land makes a difference so everything's There's no simple answer. Yeah. You've got to really ch- check it out for yourself. A real art. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Right, and, and you do need to tweak as you get older, and if you have injuries, you need to sort of, you know, ask the physio what's the best thing. And sometimes you need uh, orthopedics. Um, what do you call it? Um, those. Yeah.
0: Or actually, orthopedic shoes. Orthopedic shoes
1: sometimes.
0: Yeah. I think why bother? First leave it. Find another sport.
1: <laughs> But if you if you love running, then you want to keep going while you can, so because it's yeah. not. I guess
0: um, also, I find a lot of the roads here in New Zealand, and I think Australia is pretty much the same. Very hard, yeah. um, but a lot of them are kind of almost getting a bit more like um, tennis court turf and a little bit softer. Mm. What what do you feel? yeah so
1: if you if you do a lot of running you should try and vary the terrain so concrete obviously is the the hardest and less forgiving so therefore the hardest impact so you're gonna eventually you're gonna do your knees for for starters and then your hips if not your achilles or whatever so yeah just because of the impact it's like smashing all the time so you really got to look after your joints um so things like fish oils, omegas, healthy fats in your diet all the time and you can be at the top end of the recommendations because that's, yeah, the yeah the cushioning, uh, particularly your knees, get a lot of, you know, bang, bang. So you need to have that syno- synovial fluid um, there and also if, uh, your bones don't you know be touching and that's then obviously arthritis so that that makes an impact the blacker um so the road itself is usually softer so you can run on the road a little bit if it's safe with cars and stuff and then obviously there's we've got a bit we near the beach here in melbourne so we will run on the track you know there's like a trail run-ish kind of area it's sandy so it slows you down but if you're looking at time because it's sand so it's, you kind of sink in a bit more so there's a bit of grass and a bit of sand but it's really good for still doing the distance but not having such a harder impact on your body
0: yeah i was gonna say though if you find that you're doing trying to do like even a bit of power walk on sand or on soft grass it actually can be really hard you find you use a lot more muscles because you actually really get pushed down and you've got to pull up a lot more
1: yeah And also there's less, you're um, using more stability muscles through your feet and your ankles and therefore your calf. So you will feel it a lot more and you might get sore.
0: Yeah, but it'd be good training, I guess, and good conditioning.
1: It's really good training because it makes you strong.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So as far as um, nutrition, you talked about the supplements with the essential fatty acids and the fish oils and stuff mm. um would you eat you know what's the kind of story with protein versus carbs is that kind of like a personal preference as
1: well no <laughs> so yeah. you basically carbs is how you make energy so uh, you you can do a little bit of pre- you know fueling if you like depends on the distance so anything that's going to be an hour or less you don't need any carb drinks or electrolytes or unless it's really hot and sweaty or fuel so water is fine (laughs) unless you're in a really humid hot environment and you sweat heaps then you might want to you know alternate water and uh, electrolyte drink um, but you don't need food until straight after exercise, and then always immediately after exercise. So the first thirty minutes, you need to eat uh, balanced. So protein, always protein, twenty grams of protein, and then get in your your fats and a little bit of carbs because you'll use that anyway. You'll keep using and converting energy, and you want to be using doing that rather than your body going, oh, I'm going to eat into my muscle because you spent a lot of time building your muscle you don't want it to be eaten up by your body just because it hasn't got enough fuel so if you're training for longer than an hour that's when you've started you've got to use fuel so gels or the goo bars or whatever nutrition you're going to use and that's always carbohydrates so it's sugar so it's glucose yeah Yeah. but that
0: that's more for as your training though, isn't it? As Rather your training,
1: yep. yep. So that's a as your training thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's the but one per body. As far, as, body far
0: body. as your meals go, or training for something, yep. Are you eating more?
1: Yeah, I make sure I eat four hourly because otherwise I just get so hungry. Um, and because I'm doing more endurance racing, so someone who's just going out and doing you know, like 10K runs and stuff. You can kind of do that in an hour. If you're training for like a half marathon or a marathon, you're going to be doing longer runs. So you don't really need to carb load, but then the longer events, so like triathlon might be say six hours. So then you've got to think, "Mm, I've do three days out. I've really got to focus on getting good quality carbohydrates because I'm going to need more carbohydrates for energy. But still you need to have fats and protein there and fiber basically before not the night before though
0: (laughs) right someone that's on a um it's probably a bit of a too intense question to ask it's on something like this but someone that's on a say a full keto diet and they're training for an event how would they tackle it well you
1: gotta well you gotta have carbs (laughs) so not very well (laughs) yeah not very well (laughs) I mean, because yeah. you've trained on uh, keto, you, you'll learn, your body learns to adapt, obviously, and you use your fat for energy. But uh, for endurance training, and there are some athletes you can follow for that type of um, um, training. But, yeah, for women, I don't think it's a great idea for, for events. Yeah.
0: I wondered about that.
1: Yeah, I, I find it. I haven't found anyone that's been a woman. There's guys that do it quite well, but there's a lot of women that have tried it and they just don't have the energy to, to sustain them. Uh, and then it mucks up with their hormones and they get grumpy and PMT and or menopause. You know, it's just moody and and it's because they can't. Their brain doesn't work because they're not being fed the carbs. So you can convert yeah. so much fat, and then that's it. I mean, not-
0: I'm not yeah. home. Or well, your body might be going through the motions. But yeah. you say your brain's, not, your brain's not
1: working. Yeah, so it's not firing. And then you'll get injured.
0: And, and then it's not good for the, the whole mindset thing. You're not going to have those reserves to actually tell your, tell your body positive
1: informations
0: yeah. or scenery or whatever.
1: And you don't have a good time. That's the other thing is when you feel like that and you're bonked, basically, and your brain starts not working, you can feel it happening. And doesn't feel good. So you're already not feeling good. What and then course, your brain does that. You, it's a double knot. Right. So almost like a lethargic fog kind of thing. It feels like, so how you, bonking we call it, which was means that we have enough sugar, there's not enough glucose converting to energy. So your brain gets affected and then obviously then your muscles and they will start shutting down. Everything starts shutting down. So you start feeling like you're in a tunnel And the tunnel's getting smaller and smaller. So you know that saying tunnel vision? It's like that. So your whole world comes in because literally your body goes into survival mode and you're focusing on that point in front. So for example, if you're cycling and I might be say following a wheel or something and and I haven't eaten enough or I've gone harder than I thought, I might just focus on that wheel in front and I can't actually see anything else around me. Really dangerous. That's when accidents happen. (laughs) You can do that when you're running. You'll fall over. You won't see tree trunks or things that are on the ground and you're not lifting your feet. So not, good. not good.
0: That's a no-go. Okay, not recommended. All right. Okay, had to ask these things. Or you know what? Oh. If
1: you really want to do it, find a keto coach because I, I haven't found anyone who does it really well.
0: Right. And so would you recommend a nutritionist, seeing a nutritionist especially for an
1: event? You could see a sports nutritionist because it's very different from, you know, just regular nutrition. So, yeah, it would be great to do that.
0: Okay. Anything else um,
1: there on the way of nutrition?
0: Um,
1: I think... Also, year two afterwards, it's really important to note that you need to make sure your hydration levels stay up and your electrolytes. So if you've sweated a lot in an event, and this is going to be different for everyone, if you feel tired and like you're not recovering fast enough, quite often it might be electrolytes rather than just food. So eat normally again afterwards type thing. But if that's not the case and you're not recovering and you're just really the lethargic and want to fall asleep, Think about electrolyte replacement. So you can get tablets that are just electrolytes and you down them, or you can get, you know, proper effervescence things and have it as a drink, or carb drinks. And and it wouldn't hurt to have carb because they usually have electrolytes in them. So just remember that when you sweat out, you have to replace. So sweat is basically sodium, potassium, and manganese and all those, you know, nutrients, minerals. So you need all those minerals to be replaced.
0: for well, good recovery. Otherwise, you're going to start getting depleted and get things like cramp and injuries, like you say.
1: Yeah. And that's the other thing is that at nighttime, if you feel like you've got... So some people, and this is me, I get this, you get kind of feels like you've got twitchy feet or twitchy muscles. Like they feel like you might want to jump around a bit. That's fatigue in your... Um, muscles and you haven't got enough lactic acid out so if you've done a really long run um and you haven't done an epsom salt bath or essential oils to flush out lactic acid then there's a bit of residual in there so yeah take some magnesium you can use magnesium spray um before you go to bed and it will help you sleep and those muscles to relax because they're just a bit tight
0: okay very good um so mindset training what would you do uh, you know what uh, a
1: the training anything else? Um, I think you've just always got to keep realistic expectations but then at the last minute throw that caution to the wind a little bit <laughs> if you've got a competitive edge and really think about before maybe doing an event, why am I doing it? So is it to enjoy it? Is it because I can? Is it because you want to win? Is it, you know, la, 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 all these things and then bring back that, why or that drive when you're racing and feeling the pain and i have like a little mantra that goes around in my head when when i'm near the finish and i know that i'm like pushing that extra limit you know we always go to where we've trained to and then there's the extra bit and it's like finish strong finish strong so in my head it with every footstep if you like i'm just going finish strong finish because i'm feeling like i can't do this and you can only think one thought at a time. So if you just start whatever your positive mantra is, finish strong, finish strong, then it it keeps you into that positive outlook rather than it's easy to get dragged down into the negative.
0: Oh, it's now. Oh. <laughs> and like oh, um, yeah. I guess that's that part too when you have someone coming along next to you and you want to beat them.
1: Yep all of a sudden you can take off and you're like, oh, where did that come from? Exactly. So use other people, and I always do that. Use other people. So you might be running with the same people and you're yo-yoing, basically. <laughs> so, you know, set a goal in your head and it doesn't have to be anything amazing, just like I'm not going to let that person beat me. <laughs> and if they do, it they do, you know, but who cares? But in your head, it's enough at the time to give you, a small goal to win.
0: And do you ever have anyone come up to you and say, "Right, you bit me
1: last time. I'm going to get you this time." And you're like, "Right, no, you're not." They probably think it in their head, and then they're, you know. But there's quite often at the finish line, you know, you go over something, and you'll go, "Oh, I was pacing behind you, and you kept me going." Or and then I might say to, I know, I said to another lady, "I could see you, and I wasn't going to let you get too far ahead of me." <laughs> So um, you can kind of, you know, you can hear all those stories at the finish line, it's so good, or someone passes you just before and you're like, oh, I don't think so, and you run harder. So definitely. I I can
0: imagine they can almost be your um, pace setter too.
1: Yes, yep.
0: um, For when you're getting tired or, you know, you're getting, your calves are kind of packing in and you're like, Maybe I could drop off, and then you're
1: seeing that person in front of you. Like, eh, maybe I can't. <laughs> actually, I was in an event recently. It was a running race, and there was a lady who I knew was older than me, and so, and I think she's actually potentially a little bit faster runner than me. And so, her and I were kind of doing the yo-yo thing. And then near the end, I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna try and pull away. I know we've got three k to go. I'm just gonna try and pull away, pull away. But then you know what? In the last five hundred meters, she passes me, and I'm like. Come on, girl! In my head, I'm going. Come on, girl! You can do it. Catch her. She's older than you. Come on! I didn't, but <laughs> I I certainly went harder, longer.
0: Wow! Oh, so wow. yeah,
1: that's all that counts really.
0: I, I do that in my RPM class, you know. Yes. we going for the. You know, so yep.
1: You kind I of have to make I it, it a game.
0: It. I don't really do it in yoga. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just strip, strip that apple tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but in yoga you might be going I, I, I you can see people around you and was like how can she get, get down to her you know there there and there and I'm like okay surely I can just breathe into it a little bit more and I'll get a bit further
0: My <laughs> uh, flexible Brom clicks into the play and um, how I used to be able to do the splits I don't quite try that now but I'm sure I could if I had to <laughs> uh, in fact we actually did a pose the other day where we had to Balance on one knee and then um, kick your knee out behind you. And then the opposite arm, you had to, oh no, it was the same side arm, you had to reach that, your foot. And at one stage, I was thinking, where the hell is my foot? <laughs> um, but then I managed to get it and I was like stretching it and poing. <laughs> I have got to <laughs> hope it's not going it to be fine. Oh, good. <laughs> quite. And um, yeah. I'm sure our yoga instructor is just polite. She used to call me Orange Matt and now because I've got an orange mat. And now she she knows my name and I'm thinking, damn I wish she didn't sometimes. <laughs> and um, she, she did say to me, Oh, I like your form. You do do it really well, but I'm sure she's just being polite.
1: Oh, sometimes yeah,
0: really some form. sometimes you think you're doing something really well and then you catch your reflection in the mirror and you think, I'm not down halfway half where near I thought I was, you know. Oh my goodness.
1: I know it's actually really good to have mirrors with weights and yoga and Pilates and all those kind of things because your proprio perception, you know, where you think your body is and your awareness around that is quite often very different.
0: Yeah, I noticed that um, most of the men aren't as flexible as the women. They they think they're doing it and you're looking at them, you're like, what? That's pathetic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because i wouldn't say yeah exactly. yeah 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 so um anything else um you know like do you have to do i guess you need a lot of sleep preparing for these events
1: yeah i think you know what if you focus on your nutrition and so your macros and your micros so macros being proteins fats and carbs and micros being all your vitamins and nutrients and then hydration you should actually sleep okay. Unless, of course, you're overly stressed with work stuff going on, which exercise helps you de-stress. But then, like you say, with yoga, so doing something like yoga or meditation or something on the slower side, not doing all the hyper-cardio stuff, you've got to balance it out. So that should help you sleep more. And then, obviously, you want to end up with a sleep cycle that is like an hour of deep sleep, say. And then four to five amounts of REM. So that's a lot of your repair mechanisms. And also going to bed before, I think they say officially 11 11 p.m. But often we would get up, we would go to bed er earlier than that. So like I would normally go to bed at 10.30. So definitely sleep by 22 (laughs) because you're up earlier.
0: If you're doing a lot of miles, like twice as, Different if it was just like, you know, as you say, under an hour or... But if you're doing, say, like a six-hour event, surely your body needs much more sleep than,
1: than your normal day-to-day. Your body is an amazing machine. And so if you're getting your, like, literally my average sleep time is six and a half hours. But I am really good with extra vitamins and minerals and I'm a gene activator. So that way my body is doing all the work and repair it needs so yes, I'm sleeping, but it's like power sleeping. So you're getting oh, okay. good regeneration so that all your functions and cellular repair mechanisms are being primed and you just work way more effectively.
0: Nice.
1: Because you don't have any the- more hours just because you're an athlete, you don't have you don't grow an extra four hours of the day. <laughs>
0: you don't have the luxury of sleeping in, no. No. Um but I guess the other thing you've got to watch out for is if, if you're actually tr- um, events in a different time zone, yes, you obviously got to prepare for that, um, which again the sh- the trainer will help you with if yeah. people find it on their on their own, yeah. Um, but I, and, and as you say, you know, my exercise is a great relaxer. Um, I don't normally have any trouble with sleeping, but if you, if you kind of got so much going on in your mind then you're obviously not working hard enough, really. Um, Yeah,
1: quite often you can use, and this is what I do, I use exercise so that I can't think about work, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and that's one of the reasons I chose triathlon because I have to really focus on what I'm doing, you know, otherwise you have an accident or something. So I can't think about work. That's the good thing about it. So I I have to not, you know, just just be in the moment, just, you know, interact when we're in a training group and just you know have fun and enjoy all those kind of things and then then you think about work when you're at work kind of thing so it does de-stress and declutter the mind and get you in a better zone so you should sleep better
0: so it's almost kind of um just one of those mind therapies anyway the exercise on its own right yeah you haven't got the reserves to kind of um think about anything else it's kind of that flight and fight survival not quite flight and fight but you know what I mean it's almost pushing your body to survival mode isn't
1: it well if you're a runner like once you start enjoying running as a you know say as an example it doesn't have to be running but whatever sport it is but for example running say I do a long run if you keep your heart rate down to a certain level like say under 70% then you're actually not in that fight or flight zone anymore so yes it's cardio but it's Really at that lower end, so it's kind of becomes more fat burning for starters. But you, it's more mindful, it's more relaxing. You're in the zone of relaxation and just you're not plotting, but you're certainly not pushing, and it's really yeah, therapeutic.
0: I remember when I first started doing the RPM, uh, it was so hard, and I I used to they'd say the instructor would say, oh, well, this is this fun? And I think, fun. I can't think of a word that anywhere describes this thing as being fun it was just like so hard and like i don't even know why i'm doing this i just knew it was good for me but but now
1: you do find that you kind of um it. <laughs> it feels good because you know what you're getting endorphins straight after so it triggers all those happy right. hormones and you know you you, you get that run, runner's high but it's the same with rpm it's it's the endorphins so yeah you feel great afterwards
0: and i um you know gone are the days where i'd have a big night out and then go to the gym oh my goodness the few times i do have a big night out i still will push myself to the gym because it's my only way i can get over a hangover is sweat it out but um you kind of think oh why did did you why do you do that to yourself yeah Enjoy the training. You don't want to be, you know, have this. It's got to sweat out this, these toxins and have this big hangover. This, I think, that's just an awful feeling.
1: Yeah, and it reminds you of why you don't do it all the time. And every now and then is fine, but yeah, it keeps everything in perspective, doesn't it? You've got to live, but at the same time, you start valuing well, different yeah, things.
0: Yeah, well, you know how we've talked about before. You know, the fitter you are, the more you kind of like a a cheap um. Get um, drunk, you know. Only takes one or two, and um, you you know you you feel those signs really obvious in your body. Yeah. Then if if you're someone that amount all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like your body becomes conditioned to it, so that's a scary thing, isn't it? Mm. You want it to be conditioned yeah. at least to the right thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whereas you condition your body to burn the alcohol as as sugar, which will store into a to fat. Which is very bad around these menopause times, let alone any other time, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Plus, it'll end up giving you hot flushes and heat and all those uncomfortable things as well. So, and not being able to sleep and yeah, so don't go. And wrong.
0: Put all the hydration out of your skin, not to mention. Exactly. those.
1: Yep. All, all right. Good, so, yeah. I think
0: um, we've covered everything
1: unless there's anything else you can think of. That was all I um, you know really wanted to cover that you know definitely hydration makes a big difference. so hydration, nutrition, doing, following your plan, adjusting your plan, being kind to your body and other times of the day as much as training is part of your day. And you know also know that especially when you first start, when the alarm goes off if you're usually getting up earlier, you're never going to, very rarely going to feel like jumping out of bed with joy. Oh, well, hey, I've, I'm looking forward to getting up early because I feel so refreshed. You never feel like that. Well, I don't know. I've never felt like that. So once the feet hit the ground, it's a different story. But you've got to push yourself mentally to get out of bed and get going. So make it as easy as possible. Don't let yourself have any excuses. And once you're up, you know, kind of draw the curtains or get some light into your eyes, and um, then usually you're away, kind of thing. You're up now, so you might as well go. Yeah. And would with the
0: seasons, would you train at different times? Like the summer, obviously, the earlier because it gets too hot. And then the winter, would you want to train a little bit later so it is a bit warmer, or doesn't it
1: really? Does, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I don't have time to. You know, that'd be great if I could do that differently. But, and I think a lot of people are the same. You're kind of a little bit limited with what times you can train. It might be a different thing between, I would normally train outdoors. uh, So I might have to train a bit more indoors in winter if it's pouring with rain and, you know, thunder and lightning storm, I might train indoors. Uh, But you just kind of got to find your groove a little bit if it has to be indoors and you're not really an indoor person and vice versa. Yeah
0: and maybe wear another layer or something
1: definitely in winter i will start with a long sleeve quite often not always but quite often i end up taking it off so i would run in a singlet or a t-shirty thing um everyone's a little bit different with their heat as you get older if heat management regulation is a bit of an issue some people like i will always run hotter so i will quite often run in just a singlet and it's winter But just cover up, take stuff if you've gone out that you cover up straight after so you don't chill quicker because you're sweating. Oh, all right. Well, very important. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great to be active and being able to do all the things that you want to be doing. Um, Because also, actually, you know, the last last thing I want to say is, you know, in 10 years time, what do you want to be doing? Do you want to take up a new hobby? Do you want to start hiking? Do you want to um you know what do you play bowls (laughs) maybe not play bowls but
0: you got to get into shape to do all that right
1: you got to get you got to stay in shape so you've got to yeah you got to think about all the things you still want to be mobile and active and healthy so that you can do all the things because you more likely will have more time and hopefully more money, <laughs> so that you can do a lot, lot more. Maybe you want to walk around, walk some of the Spanish coastline or something. So train for it now. Like keep yourself healthy now.
0: Exactly, because if you know, as the saying goes, if you don't use it, you you'll lose, lose it. it. Alrighty, on that note, I think we should sign off. Yep. Until next week. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: And there we go. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Holistic Conversations with Vicky and Bron on all things living well, being healthy, and having gorgeous skin so you can thrive and live with vitality. Follow the podcast on this platform if you enjoyed the episode and want to hear more. You'll be notified when we upload new episodes. If you loved what you heard, share and follow us on our platforms and drop us a note on what you'd like to hear more of. Until next week.